friends, if you're here for another episode of Coffee and Kernels and some good, clean family fun, well, you've come to the right place. I'm Bryce, and this is episode 31. After filming the last episode, I realized I made a fool out of myself and said I was getting close to the 40s in episodes. I was very much wrong. That was just episode 30, so now we're on episode 31, and now our journey to 40 continues. This is a little bit uncharacteristic because I managed to get to this episode to be actually weekly rather than bi-weekly, so hooray, hooray for that. I couldn't resist. The box office for this weekend is ripe. It's fun. More movies are coming out. More disasters are coming out. More good things are coming out, so I decided to get on and talk about it with you all here today. So, what does the agenda for this week look like? Well, if you're new around here, this is how it goes. Typically, I like to do a weekly recap where I talk about all the things that I've watched, played, and possibly even reviewed for this week. I share that with you all so that you might have a little bit more insight as to what to go see, what to go watch, what to occupy your time with. Then I'll get into last weekend's box office results, reflect on them a little bit. Then I'll get into the projections for this week's box office results. I say projections because I film this podcast episode usually on Sunday mornings. So the only thing available to us is typically projections. Then usually I'll include another subtopic for the, for today. There are no subtopics, so then that brings us into my random thought of the week. And then I'll finish it up with the weekly recommendations so that you guys can all look forward to watching some other things. And then I close out the show. So without further ado, let's get started with the weekly recap. So since it's only been a week since the last time out, there are only really a few things that I decided to watch I decided not to chip away at my movie backlog because it just keeps growing. I'm sure as all of you movie TV files and video game fans out there know, the backlog will always be forever growing. And I would say if your backlog isn't growing, well then you gotta go out and get some additional recommendations. But then again, if your backlog isn't growing, that means it's catching up. So my backlog keeps growing. And with that, I decided to watch About Time. So last weekend for my streaming movie, I can't even remember what I chose for it, but I was surfing through Netflix. I think it was Wind River. I was strolling through Netflix when I watched Wind River, and I came across this movie with Dom Hall Gleason. For those of you who don't know who Dom Hall Gleason is, you might know him as, uh, oh, what is his face? He, he plays in Star Wars as one of the new generals. I'm trying to remember what, General Hux. He plays as General Hux in the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy, which I know a lot of people aren't a fan of, but I'm a fan of Domhnall Gleeson because he's been in quite a few other movies, including Ex Machina. He's also in this movie About Time, and I believe he stars alongside Jennifer Gartner. I think it's Jennifer Gartner. It's Jennifer somebody. Let me double check that. I should know these things. It's Jennifer something. Oh, what is it? What is it? What is it? Rachel McAdams. Why did I think it was Jennifer Gartner? I knew it wasn't her. It's... It stars Domhnall Gleeson, Rachel McAdams. I came across this movie, and the one-minute clip that Netflix showed between Domhnall Gleeson and his father, which who I believe is played by Bill Nighy, it, it hooked me. And the reason it hooked me is because it, it was just this moment, this pure moment between father and son. They share this moment, and that just really resonated with me. I dig that family stuff. I dig family themes in movies. I dig living life to the fullest, and it just grabbed me, so I decided to watch it for my streaming movie of the week. How did that turn out? Well, I still have to do a full review for it. Actually, that reminds me, yeah, I still have a few reviews to catch up on, including Fantastic Beasts. But the movie overall, I think, to me, was okay at best. 
The reason being is because it, it's got a lot going for it. It's got pretty great actors between the three aforementioned. They give pretty good performances. It's got some really strong themes and ideas between living life to the fullest having no regrets and really the the power of maybe not having do-overs like you you always think to yourself oh man if i could go back and do it again but the reality is those experiences shape who you are so that kind of touches on the movie kind of touches upon some of those ideas the importance of family living in the moment maybe not everything is as bad as it seems finding the meaning in the mundane things like that i enjoy that but the movie gets dragged down by a few different plot devices that it uses, and it doesn't quite stick the landing for me. The main thing that drags the movie down for me is the execution and their use of time travel. One of the big things in this film, and the way it gets across this message, it's through time travel, which makes sense, right? Having do-overs. If you could relive one day, what would you do? Those kinds of things, they kind of cross all of our minds all the time. So time travel in the context of this movie makes sense. I don't have a problem with them using time travel. It's just the way that they execute it, to me, just didn't quite work. Not all of the rules were really fleshed out with it. It seemed a little bit jarring and all over the place. By the end of the movie, I wasn't quite clear as to how the time travel worked, and that really damaged my viewing of these characters because I couldn't quite buy into the relationships between them because of these time travel elements. It's like I struggled to find out what actually happened and what was undone. It was really confusing and for me it just kind of dragged down the experience. Another thing that sort of dragged down this movie to me was for the pacing. This movie is two hours and three minutes runtime if I'm not mistaken and it felt like three hours. It felt really really dragged out and long and I think part of that is because of the fact that I feel like the movie you get to a point in like the first third of the movie where you're kind of thinking to yourself wow this movie is like going along really fast it's probably already halfway over and then you check the runtime and you're only like a half hour in you got an hour and a half to go it's like wow that is a little strange and it just goes so fast through these major life events of these characters and it's so it jarring and it fast forwards through the most pivotal moments in these characters lives and again that hurts the whole elements of character dynamic character development because you it just the, they grow up so fast and they grow up so fast they grow through these phases so fast at an unrealistic pace that you just can't quite get behind and then it slows to a crawl at other points for a while then it speeds back up again it just changes that pace too often and it leaves you with a it just leaves you unsettled and it leaves you not really buying into everything that you're seeing. So I'm sure there are more faults with the movie that I'm kind of forgetting. And the problem is with this movie is at the end of the day, although it is good, it's entertaining. If you want to watch something with your family and enjoy it, this is probably a pretty good fit for you guys. Not for younger kids though. There's some nudity in this movie. Don't watch, don't watch this movie with your kids. I wouldn't recommend it. But then again, who am I to say what you should and shouldn't watch with your kids? I'll leave that up to you parents. But it it's a pretty forgettable movie, in my opinion. Maybe my review will reflect differently on that. That's just how I'm feeling just about 36 hours after watching it. It's good. It's entertaining. It, well, I can't say it's even good. It's entertaining, and it fulfills the need to entertain you for what it is, but it's nothing more beyond that. Plus, it uses voiceover at points, which isn't really a problem, but... I'd rather a movie show us rather than tell us. So take that for what you will. I watched About Time. I thought it was 
okay at best. I'm thinking it's more mediocre. But have you seen About Time, friends? If so, what did you think of it? You know, the comment section is let me know. Then the next thing up for this week that I ended up watching, which has become my favorite weekly tradition, is Peacemaker. Peacemaker episode 6 aired on Thursday midnight on HBO. This was a very... I don't want to call it a different episode, but it was a differently balanced episode. Peacemaker episode six to me was a lot more meaty on the story side of things, which is kind of nice because from what I understand about the Peacemaker series, I don't believe there are very many episodes left for this first season. I think there actually might only be one or two left, but I'd kind of gotten the sense while I'm having a ton of fun and this has been my favorite show in a long time, I'd kind of gotten the sense that the story was perhaps not progressing as fast as it should be. And this episode really remediated a lot of that. You really get progression of plot lines on all fronts between Peacemaker's piece of shit dad, because he is an asshole. Oh my god. Uh, Peacemaker himself, Vigilante, Adebayo, this whole dynamic going on with the butterflies. Like, all of the stories progress at a nice cadence and make for an episode that isn't too jam-packed even the whole plot line with all the police and detectives that progresses too and some major things happen and it's just a really great episode in a storyline regard now with all that emphasis on story there are some beautiful moments that we get between characters specifically again we get some really beautiful moments with peacemaker as a character like at least two or three of them and some of them very funny some of them a little bit more somber and serious both of which i really appreciated and absolutely loved and i forgot to mention in my review earlier on this week however it, this is a very story heavy episode it's a very good episode is it great pretty close to it and i just really enjoy it and i'm glad that they're continuing to layer on more items with Peacemaker and his backstory and I just can't wait to learn more about him we keep getting a little bit of him and I like that a lot because it keeps us wanting coming back for more I still want the question answered but answered more so of what exactly happened between him and his brother I think I've got a pretty decent idea of it but I would love a little bit more of a complete picture maybe I, I'm anticipating the series won't go any more into it because I think they've shown us enough to kind of put it together now that I'm saying this out loud but still that's what I would like the the lower end and the, the lower end of the spectrum of the show for me was I don't think it was quite as on the funny side as it typically is don't get me wrong there's still a lot of great jokes there's still a lot of great laughs but I think that the episode more focused on the story elements rather than the comedic elements which is fine because it makes it a balanced show so Friends, if you haven't seen Peacemaker Episode 6, do yourself a favor, go watch it. Or if you've never seen Peacemaker, well, now you got six episodes to watch and catch up on. So, if you've seen it, let me know down in the comments what, know what you thought about it. And then now, the last thing that I watched for this week was, in fact, Jackass Forever. That's right. If for those of you who are fans of Jackass, they have been around for 20 years. This is their fourth movie long after their MTV show has done and dusted. And it's kind of weird thinking about network television because I haven't even had cable in a really long time. But nevertheless, Jackass Forever, I'll talk about their box office projections in a second because they are they are astounding. I had a lot of fun with this movie. It was a great time to go watch. If you and your friends are looking for something to do and you want to laugh a lot and get a little grossed out, go see Jackass Forever it is nothing but an hour and a half of these guys, these cast and crew just pulling off these insane stunts that are creative, well thought out, 
have a lot of variety and are just disgusting at times. You wouldn't believe what they subject themselves to. They make a lot of money doing it, I'm sure, but oh my god, it's like it's like if a, a, a theater production went extremely grotesque and wrong. That's what Jackass Forever is. It's fantastic. It's really great. You get some new faces for those of you who are fans of the franchise and haven't um haven't seen new faces in a long time, but you still get the nostalgic original guys like Johnny Knoxville, Steve O, Wee Man. And the like, it's a lot of fun. It's a great time. You might gag a little bit because there's a lot of poop. There's a lot of nudity. Oh my god, there there's so much nudity. I I saw way too many penises for one movie, but the movie it was funny. It was so great. I laughed a lot. And the best part was the the the, the crowd around me in the theater all were laughing. All were having a great time. And I not even in Spider Man No Way Home did I really get that sense when I was in the theater. So this is like the first time I've ever heard an entire theater just going nuts along with me. Like I, your jaw will hit the floor at times. You'll cry hysterically. You'll probably gag a little bit at some times, but it's a lot of fun. Stunts, antics. And you, the best part is you can tell that although these guys are in pain and are really angry that they're doing these things in the moment that they really genuinely care for each other and have a lot of fun with each other. It shows a very human side of things. And I think that's another element that Jackass Forever really captures is that these guys, although they've, they do superhuman things and are crazy, <laughs> they are human. And when they're having fun on screen and they're inter interacting with each other, we're also having fun. And I just really enjoyed that much more human element of it that this particular installment seemed to include now don't get me wrong it doesn't get like sappy or anything like that that's not what jackass forever is it just they take a few extra moments to really show the not only the peril on their faces but the genuine the genuinity if that's a word that they really have between each other so all joking aside it's really it's really funny too to see like the looks on these guys' faces. I thought they were gonna break at some points. I I would have broken. I I'm a weak man. But anyways, yeah, friends. If you're curious to see uh, my review for Jackass Forever, it's on the Bankrupt Hippo channel. I'll probably put a card in the video somewhere around here. So if you want to check it out, feel free to. But overall, I recommend it. Go see it. Bring some friends. Laugh a lot. So friends, that'll do it for the weekly recap. I'll end it by saying, Have you seen Jackass Forever? If so, I'd be curious to see what you think of it. You know where the comment section is. Let me know. Okay, that brings us into some weekend box office, which is my most exciting part of the episode. Of course, let me pull up my numbers here. So, a little bit different. This is gonna. This is how it's gonna go. I think I've established a pretty solid cadence to do it for this podcast. So, I think this is the format I'm gonna stick with for a while. I'll start off the weekend box office segment by going over the previous weekend's results. So for this week, it's going to be week four of 2022. That's January 28th through the 30th. And then I'll get into the following weekend or this current weekend's projections because when I film these podcast episodes, it's only projections that are available. The actual numbers aren't available because it's Sunday. Weekend's not over yet. Which week five in this case, excuse me one second. Week five in this case is now going to be February 4th through the 6th. So week four, January 28th through the 30th. Week five, which is projections, February 4th through the 6th. Now, starting off with week four, this is going to be really short. It's going to be really boring because these results are really boring. There was no changes at all in week four from week three in terms of placement. So coming at number one was Spider-Man No Way Home, of course. 
rounding off the top with $11 million. Coming in at number two was Scream with $7.2 million. Coming in at number three was Sing 2 with $4.67 million. Coming in at number four was Redeeming Love with $1.77 million. Then rounding off the top five is The King's Man at $1.66 million. So no changes in terms of placement from week three to week four. None of the movies moved. None of them really made a ton of money. I think the last weekend of January was a very strange weekend for box office because there were no high profile wide releases. So the top five wasn't really shaken up all that much. It, basically, the biggest headline was the fact that Spider-Man No Way Home was number one again, and also that keeps getting closer to breaking records. I'll talk about the record it's really close to breaking here in a second, which I never thought it would get anywhere close to. It's blowing my mind, actually, when I Googled it this morning. But those are the week four box office results. Not really a whole lot doing there. I'm anticipating it's the last weekend for Redeeming Love and the King's Band to be in the top five. Sing to... I would love to look at the Sing 2 on a deeper level and how it's managed to make so much money. It's made a ton of money. I think it's made a quarter of a billion dollars, if I'm not mistaken, worldwide. Or it might even be just domestic. I'd have to look deeper into that. But Sing 2 is one of those sleeper movies that's been quietly making a ton of money. It's been in the top two to four like for months now. I think for eight weeks close to, if not seven weeks at this point, which is amazing. This movie's got a lot of legs, and I really enjoyed it too. So if you haven't seen it, maybe you guys should go check it out. So those are the weekend four box office results. Friends, any surprises for you? I thought it was a pretty boring week personally, but whatever you think, you know the comment section is. Let me know. All right, so let's get into the week five box office projections, which are much more exciting because we've got some more wide releases coming. Specifically, the two wide releases that came out this week were, of course, Jackass Forever, which I already talked about. It was really awesome. Go watch it. And then also Moonfall, starring Halle Berry, and also, why am I blanking on his name? Patrick something. He's my favorite horror film actor. Patrick Wilson. Why did I forget that? Him and Vera Farmiga are just gold, so is Rose Byrne. But those are the two movies that came out this week for a wide release. These are how the box office results ended up shaking out for all of the aforementioned movies. Debuting at number one or projected to debut at number one is Jackass Forever at $20.7 million. That is a miracle result, in my opinion, for Jackass Forever. Jackass Forever, to me, is a very niched movie. It's got a cult following. It's been popular for two decades, so that's probably another part of the reason why it's got such a great result because it's got a the group has a really great following. I mean, everybody knows what Jackass is. I it's very rare where I come across somebody and they say, "Yeah, I have no idea what Jackass is." Maybe for those who are eighteen and younger, they might have a little bit of trouble with it because probably too young to watch a lot of that, and their TV show hasn't exactly been around for probably a decade now, but. Jackass Forever, to see it make $20.7 million to me is amazing, and especially considering that in its opening weekend, it has more than doubled its production budget. It costs $10 million to make Jackass Forever, so they have already doubled their money in one weekend, which blows my hair back. I've never seen this quick of turnaround in terms of making a profit for a movie. I think the next closest movie that's gotten so fast to earning profit on itself was maybe Halloween Kills, which came out in October. That climbed really fast considering it had a really small budget. I think it made like, it made a lot opening weekend, but I think it 
made just a little bit over I, I'd have to look back at Halloween Kills, but Halloween Kills had a really small production budget and it managed to make its money back in in spades. It made like triple its its I think its production budget by the time it ended its theatrical run. But yeah, Jackass Forever. I didn't know what to expect going into it. I had had a sense that the hype around it was building a couple weeks upcoming to the movie because I had realized, oh, Jackass Forever is coming out in like two weeks, and it just seems like a lot of people love the IP. And it's been 10 years since Jackass 3 came out, which was extremely popular. So I think this fourth installment was riding a lot of the momentum from how good the third one was. I remember watching the third one with my friends and I'm like, wow, this is actually really funny. This is really great. So when your previous installment is good, you can't help but get excited for the sequel. So I think Jackass 4 had that writing on it. It had 20 years of IP writing on it. The return of Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O, Weeman, and a lot of others. And just some good fun that has been lacking from the movie theaters for a long time, aside from Spider-Man No Way Home and Scream, of course. So, for all those reasons, Jackass Forever, I am blown away by the fact it's debuting at number one with this much money, but I'm really happy for it. So, number one, Jackass Forever, $20.7 million. Coming at number two is, I would probably say, from what I've been reading and hearing, a disastrous result is Moonfall. Moonfall, unfortunately, only debuted at $9.1 million, or is projected to only debut at $9.1 million opening weekend. From what I've heard on Rotten Tomatoes, Moonfall has not gotten a great score, maybe 40%. Let me actually double check that now that we're here. Moonfall, Rotten Tomatoes. Moonfall, Rotten Tomatoes. I still have to write my... Rotten Tomatoes, yeah, it's at 42% right now, critics score on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm curious to see what the audience score is here. Okay, so it's not bad, but not a whole lot of reviews. So, Moonfall is at 40% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics that out of uh, 131 reviews. Then, for the audience score, it's at 68%, which is actually not a bad score, but it's only got 250 verified scores from audiences. So, not really great showing from... Moonfall and even leading up to it, it's just it hasn't gotten great reviews from anybody. I don't think anybody I've never I haven't seen a review yet that people absolutely loved the movie. So I would say it's probably a pretty disastrous result. The production budget, I would imagine, is more than nine point nine million dollars. So I don't know if Moonfall will even end up breaking even. I haven't heard good things. Funny story, I was actually going to go watch an early screening of Moonfall last weekend that my theater was offering, but because of some reviews from really awesome pundits that I follow, they all said, yeah, this movie is not, this ain't it. So I decided to skip and go watch Kingsman, and now that I'm seeing how much money it's making at the box office, the lackluster reviews, I am happy with my choice to forego Moonfall, go see Kingsman, and just kind of move on with my life. So I feel gutted for Moonfall. I don't ever cheer for movies to fail i don't cheer for anything to fail that's just a negative way to look at life in general but i gotta say moonfall is probably i'd call it a disastrous opening weekend i'm trying to remember if the 355 made more about a month ago i can't remember so many box office results fly into my head but not a great showing for moonfall i'm gutted for it roland emmerich who directed the movie has made great movies in the past patrick wilson holly berry are obviously very uh what's the what's the term i'm looking for very respected actors in the industry very legendary actors especially in my mind patrick wilson is oh yeah love that guy in every in in all the horror movies he's in anyway and in fact i don't think i've seen him outside of the horror genre i gotta check out more movies with him outside of the horror genre but anyways 
I'll just leave it at that. Moonfall, number two, $9.1 million in its opening weekend. Now, number three projected for week five is Spider-Man No Way Home. It's projected to make $8.8 million by the time the weekend's said and done. Spider-Man No Way Home is in its eighth or ninth weekend in terms of theatrical release. And it just keeps making steadily making money again. I believe it's its eighth week. I'm just fact-checking myself really quickly. And the 8.8 million in third place in the top five isn't really the place where I want to focus on. What really caught my eye with No Way Home is the fact that now, according to Deadline, it's about $12.4 million away from passing Avatar as the third highest grossing domestic box office movies of all time. It's only $12.4 million away from Avatar. For reference, Avatar in its theatrical run made $760.5 million domestically in the box office when it came out. So if you recall probably a month or two ago, yeah, it's about two months ago now, I never thought that No Way Home, I was surprised when No Way Home was cracking the top 10, especially in a pandemic when not really a whole lot of people have been going back to the movie theaters, but now it seems with No Way Home, it's kind of brought a lot of people back to the movies. I never saw or envisioned No Way Home continuing to make so much money that it jumps to potentially being the third highest grossing, grossing, grossing domestic movie of all time. And now that is starting to become a reality. And I was so wrong at saying that it would never even come close. I didn't even think it would eclipse Black Panther. I didn't think it would eclipse Black Panther. I just didn't think it would. And now it's blowing, it's blowing that out of the water in spades. And I am just completely impressed and in a really weird way like excited about it i just love it when movies continue to achieve and continue to bring people together for a ton of fun and promote a good time promote a good time and i think spider-man no way home it's obviously justified it's a really awesome movie i gave it a 10 out of 10 when i reviewed it i i kind of regret that score if I had to redo that score, I would give it a 9 out of 10. I don't think it was a perfect 10 out of 10. I was a little bit too kind to it, I think. So take that for what it's worth. But to hear that it's this close to being the third highest domestic earner of all time to me is just insane. I never thought it would get there. It's it, 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 I'm guessing people must be going and seeing it multiple times, three, four, five, six, seven times. I've never gone to see a movie more than three times in the theater. So I'm not one of those people who's ever really going to go see a movie six, seven times. That's just not who I am. Too many movies to watch and life's too short. So I'm just, I'm geeked out to see if it's going to pass Avatar or not. $12.4 million is not a lot of money in the terms of the movie industry, especially in the IP like this. To people like myself, $12.4 million is a lot of money, but in the movie industry, it's not. So I think Spider-Man No Way Home will oh excuse me guys i think spider-man no way home if i had to guess is going to end up passing avatar as the third highest domestic earner of all time by the time its theatrical run ends in fact i think it could probably do it if it stays in enough theaters for the next three weeks i think it could do it in the next three weeks and i think they'll probably push for theaters to keep it around a little bit longer so that's my prediction i'd be curious to see what you guys think though if it's going to finish in that uh third highest domestic earner of all time spot but anyways, now for the last two in the top five for week five in terms of projections. Coming in at number four projected is Scream, which is projected to make 
4.36 million dollars and then coming in at five is going to be sing 2 which is projected to make four million both movies have had very respectable i'd say beyond respectable runs in the top five i think that they'll both beyond week five i think that scream will actually if i had to guess in week six i think scream is going to fall out of the top five i actually think sing 2 is going to stay in at number five but with the introduction of movies like Marry Me, which is going to be a Valentine's Day flick, and Death on the Nile, I think it's going to kick a couple movies out of the top five for the weekend. So, Scream and Sing 2 have had really good runs in the top five. I would not be surprised at all if they fall out of the top five after this weekend. If either one of them is going to stick around the top five, I think it's going to be Sing 2. The Sing 2 has just proven to have such a great movie in terms, or proven to be a movie that has great, what I call, legs in terms of being able to just run the marathon and stay in the top five for as long as possible and continue to make money. So that's my thoughts on the week five projections from the box office. Friends, I ask you, any shock results from you? Do you think Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be end up being in the top three of domestic earners of all time? Are you as surprised as I am that Jackass Forever has debuted at number one? Would you call Moonfall a disappointment? Whatever you guys think, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. Okay, so now we're getting close to the end of the episode. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll go with the random thought of the week, which is ever-growing backlogs. This crossed my mind this morning, actually, where I I was talking to some coworkers, and they gave me recommendations for like five or six movies, so now my backlog grew. Just when I was catching up with my movie backlog, it grew by about double just in, in about 10 minutes, which was insane. They recommended to me the original Pink Panther movies, which I haven't seen. I've seen only the ones with Steve Martin, or I should say the first one with Steve Martin. They recommended uh, a couple of other late 70s, early 80s movies that I can't remember off the top of my, top of my head. But the point is, are do you? I'm, I'm curious as to you guys, if you have thoughts on this, feel free to jump down in the comments. But do your backlogs ever actually run out? Do you ever find yourself catching on backlogs? Are backlogs ever meant to be zero? Are you ever actually supposed to run your backlog down to the ground and then grow it from there? Is it is it the job of the backlog to always be ever growing so that you always have something to watch? For me, I I go back and forth on this because I would say that if my movie and game backlog isn't at least three, four movies deep or three or four games deep that I should probably go out and get additional recommendations. But then again, I'm not the kind of person who likes to have a really large to-do list. So I would actually like to think that I freeze my backlogs past a certain point. I catch up, I let them get down to almost nothing, and then I grow them again. But everybody's got a different preference. So I'd just be curious to see what you guys as the community think around that particular subject. Do you like having a really large backlog? Do you like having no backlog? Do you keep a backlog at all? Do you like having a small backlog? Whatever you guys think about the backlog, I'd be curious to know, so feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know your thoughts. All right, so let's bring this episode home. We'll give you some weekly recommendations to walk away with. This week's a little sparse in recommendations because it's only been a week since the last episode. I haven't watched a whole ton this week just because that's how the cookies crumbled. However, I will say I'm not going to give you a TV show because me typically, as you guys know, if you've been watching my content for a while, I'm not really a TV backlog kind of guy i don't really enjoy tv shows aside from maybe two or three that i absolutely love that's peacemaker the handmaid's tale wandavision doesn't really count because it was a limited series and it was legendary for its time but aside from those shows i'm not really a tv person so i don't really give a tv recommendation but nevertheless i'll give you a movie and a game recommendation for movie i'm gonna say jackass forever i had such a fun time with it 
And it does a great job of bringing friends together that if you're looking for a fun night out with your friends, like Jackass Forever is perfect. And when you can get other friends involved to enjoy something together, I think that's the beauty of movies. In general, I think Jackass Forever promotes that. So I'm going to say go watch Jackass Forever for my movie recommendation of the week. My game recommendation of the week actually isn't going to directly come from me. It's going to come from a friend of mine who recommended it to me on Instagram. It's now in my gaming backlog. I played a few minutes of it. I'm intrigued. I just haven't gotten a chance to get back to it. It's Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. For those of you who have Xbox Game Pass, it's on there. I don't believe Hellblade is an Xbox exclusive. I'd have to fact check myself on that, but I've heard great things. I heard it's a lot of fun. It's in my backlog. I've started it. I've got to play more through of it, but that's my going to be my game recommendation for the week. Heard great things, so I encourage you all to give it a try as well. So, friends, that'll do it. We have made it to the end of another Coffee and Kernels episode. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. I, From the bottom of my heart, I greatly appreciate it. Once again, this has been the Bankrupt Hippo YouTube channel. I've been Bryce, and if you like this, click right here if you'd like to see more. Until next time, have a great day.